Yes, you've come to the right place on this Friday, June 11th. I am burdened with the glorious purpose of continuing to bring you in-depth intellectual, theological, philosophical, and story commentary on the latest Star Wars, Marvel, Star Trek, and whatnot that comes out while also spending more time with my family over the next month. And so, hence, I'm trying out this new little bit called Sasuke Summer Shorts and uh, going to have these bit of shorter length, maybe 15, 10, 15, 20 minute episodes, kind of in the vein of the rogue episodes I used to do way back when, but a little different now. It's more things come out and I'll respond to them more immediately. So today uh, is number zero because I'm not actually in Saskatchewan yet, <laughs> but uh, in, in good comic book form, number zero talking about uh Loki that came out on Wednesday that really does deserve a whole episode, a whole regular FCS episode. But given this, uh, the Saski Summer Shorts treatment and the Bad Batch episode that came out this morning. So I'll begin with the Loki episode. And uh, I tweeted on Wednesday, it is the most Hauerwazian story Marvel or Star Wars or anyone has produced yet. Stanley Harawas was or is a one of the great. American theologians of the 20 of the 20th century, um, still somewhat active, although semi in retirement, he was at Notre Dame and Duke in the Loki episode, two lines of his oft quoted lines of his stick out. The main one is, uh, he talks about our worship of freedom, our deification of individual liberty. And I'm going to butcher this line, but it's a, it's a confusing line, but he says, the story that we tell ourselves that we have no story, except the story that we tell ourselves we have no story. Something to that effect. And the point, of course, is uh, Harawas is, is trying to bring out the circular logic of uh, not freedom itself, not individual choice itself, but the fact that we have made it a be-all and end-all. This idea that it, it's up to you entirely to write your own story and that that's the meaning of life. And the question that Loki confronts in this is, isn't that, is that just another story imposed on us by someone else, by whatever it is that, uh, had imposed on Loki and that he isn't actually free to, uh, you know, make his life or, or live his life in a way that is genuinely meaningful. Because for Harawas, it, the question isn't so much, well, it is who gets to write your story, but really he wants to probe, uh, you know, if you, if, if you write your story, if you think you're writing your story, it isn't that great of a story. You are going to be very Augustinian sense of curved in on yourself and trying to, like we see with Loki, who wants to be the king of, Midgard and the king of Asgard and the Nine Realms and the king of space and Owen Wilson uh, as Mobius doing his every Owen Wilson role ever thing is a perfect foil to that because he questions it. He says, king of space. I mean, someone with your range, you could be so much more. And uh, yeah, so even in the, sm the smaller sense of uh, Loki can't even sit down by himself or stand up by himself because he's in a place where his ability to craft his own story is ultimately limited and ultimate 
in that sense, in that uh, th there is this cap, this limit, this thing that is preventing him from making it, quote-unquote, easy on everyone else and uh, and taking on the, quote, burden of the glorious purpose of being the one to choose. And what we see with, with Loki is uh, exposing the way that the one who believes they are most unburdened, unbound, end up being the ones who are most bound. And the, a deeper kind of economic question of, um, so who is actually uh, imposing this story? And often in our world, in our day, it's folks who profit off of this illusion, the, the weak and the, the weak and the scared that look strong, that look powerful. Corporations like Amazon, like Disney and Marvel, for quite frankly, you know, in some sense that, uh, I mean, Disney Marvel is this weird thing. We're in this weird space where they are crafting these stories that are actually self-reflective and questioning of the power of multinational corporations. Because, I mean, that's what advertising actually is about. It's, you know, the, the more fantastical commercials especially. It's here is a product by our product so that the story that you write for yourself is a better story. And for, for Harawas and for the Christian tradition as a whole, it actually isn't a matter of either God writes our story or we write our story. It's a matter of our story being found and being a part of God's story. And, uh, you know, that, that's the problem with a lot of the ways we approach determinism and free will, that the Christian tradition at its best, especially going the way St. Thomas Aquinas formulated it, never actually posits a competition between God and us creatures. It's God chooses and God acts through our choices and our acts. That is properly and technically and fully what we mean by grace, as in the gift that God gives us in order to choose, to love, to trust, to hope, that God's will is, is better and, and more full, fuller for us, and uh, the ability to love and abide with and be patient through the trials and struggles of others and to be with them and gather together. So uh, that's what we see, hopefully, with Loki moving forward in this show, uh, you know, joining on up with the TVA to confront. I saw uh, a Twitter thread talking about how confronting his shadow side, which is a very, the very Jungian thing that, for example, Yoda confronts in uh, that arc of season six of the Clone Wars. The second Harawazian line that really comes to fore, so the fore is, you know, the way, one of the, the strongest ways we think we are preserving the power to write our own story is Harawaz says, we try and get out of death alive. It's this cheeky joking way of saying, um, we ignore our mortality because our mortality inherently, or we believe that. That's the thing. We believe that our mortality inherently weakens our story and says, makes for a worse story in the sense of, uh, well, limits our choices and that limiting our choices is a bad thing. 
And in some ways, yes, it is, right? I mean, in situations of injustice and poverty and racism and oppression, you know, you know that, that is violence. But, you know, the, the way those of us with privilege end up uh, preserving our power to oppress others and to limit ourselves, it does end up, I mean, it's rooted in this ultimate existential fear of death. And so we, uh, we paper over death and we forget it exists. Well, what we see in Loki is, um, I mean, and he, he just continues on seeing his actual story. This is the story of the sacred timeline. So this is the story that is really him. And we see his mother's death at his own hand in a way, in his own actions. We see his father's death, not birth father, but the, the one once he raised the ones who raised him and made him hopefully tried to make him who he is. Right. Um, the me and mine, the tribe, uh, that Loki is trying to driven to protect and the legacy of, of that kingdom that he, the, the Asgardian kingdom that even in his own way is trying to carry forward. Um, he sees them dying, you know, and, and this is with, with Odin, it's an event that hasn't happened yet. Of course, ultimately, he sees his own death. He sees himself sacrificing. Uh, and it, it's a very poetic thing, right? In that he, he's trying to be defiant and heroic confronting Thanos. Thanos, who represents the inevitability of death. And in this sense, it, it is a heroic sacrifice because he's trying to save his brother Thor. He's trying to save his people and uh, potentially everyone on earth as well. And, and whatever it is that Thanos is up to no good about. Loki sees that. He sees the potential, similar to Nebula a little bit, uh, the, 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 the variant Nebula or whatnot. He sees the potential for him to be a part of a wider story, a part of, story of others and not as a villain. And that's an interesting point that, uh, you know, he sees at least the part of the story leading up to the first Avengers film. He's confined in this role of a villain. And that's the story that is written for him in the sacred timeline. Um, it is interesting in the MCU. That is a point of departure in, in the, the, the sacred timeline, the story we've gotten so far, that is actually a point of departure. And, um, he does, uh, you know, the failure of Earth. He re recapture, uh, recaps that with Thanos, uh, considered experience, experience while he's trying to sacrifice himself. Anyway, my point being, the Loki in this TV series uh, sees how the story that is told through series that are called Thor or Avengers. So he's not; it's not his story. He sees his death. He sees that he does not get out of death alive. And what happens? He is free to embrace his vulnerability. He is free to accept that all this, this thing of this delusion of grandeur of trying to be king of space, which is this laughable notion, it is a, a trick for the weak to try and gain control. And he's able to begin to let that go a lot earlier or around maybe around the same time that he does in the sacred timeline 
in the canon main canon timeline. So uh, that I mean that is really true freedom. He's able to embrace that he is part of now in this case the story of the TVA as part of the TVA uh, trying to stop whatever this other variant Loki is trying to do and trying to clean up this multiverse of madness. Um, we'll see again how that might tie into Doctor Strange and to what Wanda is up to. But he's he's free to be part of this story and so he is going to earn the title of the series called Loki. He's going to be a hero by being part of this team and leading this team. But uh, burdened with the glorious purpose not of his own grandeur, but of uh, of the well-being of others and the well-being of uh, all these folks that would have otherwise been harmed by this variant Loki. So a lot to think through. This is, only, I mean, I only spent 13 minutes on the first episode. I'm definitely going to see how this goes and how it explores these themes uh, throughout the series. Definitely looking forward to that. All right, now moving on to the Bad Batch episode this morning, and I'm glad I started uh, starting this specific recaps on this episode because this is a finally really moving things forward, finally starting to actually answer the question I had, I, I think, this past week or the last few weeks, what is the goal, what is the mission, um, the purpose of the Bad Batch? And they name it, and it's kind of, roundabout but they name it as finding that out figuring that out whatever that is uh, I think given we see, we've seen Saw and now here's the spoilers we've seen Rex and we know Rex is definitely clearly connected to this emerging rebel alliance I think and I wonder if uh, the 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 Bad Batch being part of the rebel alliance or whatever the, the these nation nascent groups coming together uh, these pockets of resistance i think that is going to be a, a bigger part of the story than i actually expected and I, i'm glad about that it, it does seem to be more coherent but that's not guaranteed and we have wrecker talking to rex at the end of the episode and uh and wrecker says we're just trying to figure that out what whatever is best for the squad clearly protecting omega is what's best for the squad and, and taking missions that ensure their survival. I think in a way it's kind of, kind of this odd roundabout thing of saying the goal of this, the bad batch is to figure out what their purpose is. Now they don't actually know. They don't actually know. I should say, I, I should emphasize that uh, there, there is a journey of actually discovering what is a clone after Order 66? What is a clone outside of uh, protecting the Republic and then being part of Darth Sidious' plan to wipe out the Jedi and take power, take control over the galaxy? Um, it, it is an odd thing, but it makes sense because that is the state that the galaxy is in. That is the state that all of our heroes from the Clone Wars at least those who have survived, are all in. It's that question that 
I, I am so fascinated by when it comes to Jedi who have survived, be it Caleb Doom or whoever. Um, you know, maybe, you know, there, there's whole, a, a list of others that have survived and I'm curious to hear their stories in the canon version, at least. And there's a beautiful, the beautiful legends version of that. Uh, yeah. Again, it's a story of, of self-discovery of purpose. I wonder, yeah, I mean, related to what I was just saying with Loki, you know, um, they're free to write a story. But I think knowing that they're clones, knowing that, um, you know, the story that was written for them isn't one that they want to be a part of. Uh, they're already oriented towards uh, the story of the well-being and freedom and renewed hope in the galaxy. And so that brings me back to the speculation about uh, what um, what is the role of the burgeoning rebel lines in this and these connections. I do suspect, you know, when Omega is of age, when she's stronger and more capable, she's already super capable, but when she's old enough to really, for, for them to not need to be worried about protecting her, that she can really take it up, take up the fight herself, that the bad batch is going to take more, take a more active role. In the galaxy, in, in again, what these emerging rebel groups or something new, something else that we don't know. I, I really did appreciate this episode, especially again, because it finally moved things forward. Rex being the catalyst for that. And um, because one of the biggest things holding us back, not holding us back, holding the story back, but keeping uh, the story contained were these inhibitor inhibitor chips, oddly enough, right? They were inhibiting uh, the group, the batch itself, because we, at least for us, we knew Wrecker was going to go off at any moment. We knew that they were susceptible, potentially, to control by those who knew how to execute Order 66 or whatever other orders. I, I mean, I wonder how removing the chips affects uh, the relationship with the Kaminoans. Are they going to be uh, harder to control? Did the Kaminoans have uh, a hope that they would execute another order? I mean, we've heard Order 99, which would be even fun, but who knows? Um, that might not be in play now either. So, yeah, it definitely, um, well, I'd say it's it's the best episode of the series so far. Uh, especially, and here we go again, you know, the character and role of Omega in all of this. She is definitely capable as a, as a clone, as someone who can take action, still clearly a lot younger again. But the depth of emotional intelligence, the depth of emotional sensitivity and adaptability on display by this kid is astounding. And we also see Wrecker uh, having a depth of emotional sensitivity that we didn't fully expect now it raises some questions I, i'm hesitant or struggling to f find the words for what i'll put it out this way is i wonder how folks who have suffered childhood trauma would in interpret this episode because on the one hand i'll start with the, the concern the negative on the one hand 
uh, we all we get is Wrecker being able to apologize and say sorry, and the it, it's all of a sudden okay a little bit. I I don't know if it really is she Omega is able to understand. I'll I'll be curious to see if she actually is uh, more skittish and more hesitant around Wrecker in the future just because that was a scary traumatic experience that she faced and wondering if one of the tensions then of this, this story going forward is Wrecker and the clones as a whole and those who did have been, have succumbed to order 66 earning the trust of vulnerable people like Omega again, that journey of healing on the other hand, or not on the other hand, so much as maybe part of the way forward, I think with, with trauma is reframing and understanding what the circumstances were, what, uh, you know, acknowledging her own vulnerability in the moment and her feelings of helplessness and fear are legitimate and genuine. And also then a bit of reframing that she is capable of doing in her case in the moment in a lot of folks' cases, I think, over years and years of understanding, at least with Wrecker's case, that it was a chip in his head. And uh, that might be symbolic for all the, the way trauma victims go through healing by reframing, by being able to see the factors of uh, you know, what was, how was this other person raised and have that lead them to make these choices to try and write that story. Here we go with that in ways that caused harm. And so uh, it, the difference, of course, is with Omega, it's immediate because she was part of Nalase and Lamasu and the Kaminoan science thing, knowing about the inhibitor chips. And because there's something special about her that she's able to... Uh, have that awareness like she had with with crosshair in that that uh that cell the prison cell whatever the the brig cell they're having that sensitivity in herself and in others to start to move forward so that's a question i hope they don't skirt around it i hope they address it the way i think they addressed it with with canaan in rebels Right. He only when he sees again, Rex, it starts like I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, starts to uh, embrace his healing after his Order 66 trauma. So, again, question lingering going forward. Maybe that is part of the Bad Batch's journey is showing what is normative for clones in terms of what is meant to be their purpose like 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 a uh, hunter says defending the republic defending freedom and hope in the galaxy so this has been uh the first number zero of saski summer series uh, these won't be as long i was combining two stories in one so normally they'll be shorter and more frequent hopefully as as uh, material comes out um it'll be the pull list will be part of this as well as best I can. If you have any insights to share, especially the, that last question about trauma and healing, please let me know at NEUG 485. 
Give me a follow on Instagram at mneug1138. Thanks for listening. May the Force be with you always.